All right. I want to talk today about a subject that's actually, and that's why I'm sitting down, because I get angry about stuff. I get a little bit mad sometimes. You know, I get, sometimes I get a bit testy when I watch the news. I, I get a bit, you know, jaded in my spirit. So I thought, I better sit down for this one. Because I might start throwing things. Or something might get broken. And I've already broken this table once and I've had to fix it. So I don't want to do that. I, I, I kind of want you to listen and be able to hear what I've got to say without being distracted by, oh, Pastor Andrew was just so angry this morning. And we're going to go for it I and mean, we're going to go there. But I want to talk to you about what is your worldview. What's your worldview? The title of my message today is called Flip the Switch. And we can put the scripture, the, the thing up there. We are flipping some switches this morning. But what is your worldview? Our worldview is the way in which we perceive and see the world, it includes things like our philosophy, our ideology, and all of this extra kind of stuff. And there's a few different types of worldviews, you know, number of different main classes. And to do some research on this, I looked up Wikipedia because, no, I'm not a psychological psychology major, and I didn't do all of that stuff at university. I didn't even go to university. Who here went to university? Fantastic. Who didn't go to university? Fantastic. It's great. So we're, you know, the thing is, is that we can all now be experts due to the internet. Um, joking. Don't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. That's okay. And I don't always write my messages based on what's on Wikipedia. Oh, I'm dropping everything. Oh, giving it all away. Secrets. But there's four different main classes of worldviews. There's our attitudinal worldview. It's our approach to life, our disposition towards different types of ways of thinking and viewing the world. It's our, it's our attitude. So, for example, people with an optimistic worldview would tend to look for the best in situations and tend to see the, the best in circumstances. And someone with a, a negative worldview might go, well, it's all going to pot really quick. Um, is our ideological idea? Did I just say that right? Ideological worldview, and a very good morning to you guys in nil. Sorry, I didn't say good morning already. Um, you're seeing me a little bit bigger. I, I'm imagining I'm really big on the screen up there because if you all just sort of turn around, we're, we're zoomed right in this morning because I'm sitting down. But very good morning to you guys up there. You are well. We love you. You're awesome. But our ideological worldview, that's our sets of beliefs and values which shape, you know, the way that we do things and, and all that. So, um, you know, it rises out of political and economic beliefs about the world. So capitalists um, believe that a system that emphasizes private ownership, competition and the pursuit of profit ends up with the best outcomes. That's what a capitalist would believe. But a, a socialist might believe that a, a system where we all collectively have wealth together, you, you know, has the best outcomes. You will own nothing and be happy. Um, might be a thought along those kind of lines. Philo philosophical um, is another form of our worldviews, and that's a collection of answers to fundamental questions of the universe. Why are we here in the first place? And those kind of things shape our worldview. And then we have our religious worldviews as well. And as we know, there are many forms of religion, organised and disorganised in religion within the world, which actually shape people's belief systems about the world. Um, you know, and so somebody from an, an Abrahamic religion, so Christian, um, 
Judaism, Islam, it's an Abrahamic religion, they get their beliefs and practices from a set of scriptures, like what we just read from really quickly. It was a very short reading this morning. Um, but that's what we get our worldviews from. And, but I definitely believe that our worldview is shaped and moulded and even programmed by factors that we can and cannot control. Factors that we can and cannot control. You know, we're subject to opposing worldviews. Like I read before, I was talking to you before about, so capitalism and socialism would be in polar opposites. They're different. And they would always be fighting. You would have people with a capitalistic worldview would be going, well, I want it this way because it's all about me. And the socialists would be going, no, well, I want it this way because it's, it's all about the system and it's all about us. And I'm making some of this stuff off the top of my head. So like I prefaced at the beginning, I'm not a major in worldviews, but I've done some research on Wikipedia and therefore now I'm considered the foremost expert on worldviews. Um, <laughs> You know, but our worldview depends on some certain factors. So like our geographic location can frame our worldview. Our economic situation can frame our worldview. Our ethnic origin can frame our worldview. Our, our level of education or the type of education that we have received can frame our worldview. And, and lots of other inputs about what I want to talk to you about today. So, but worldviews change over time. Our world changes over time. We're not the same as what we were back even 10 years ago. We're not the same as what we were 100 years ago. We're not the same as what we were 1,000 years ago. Who's thankful that we you know, now have like flushing toilets and electricity? And is anybody out here thankful for Netflix? Yeah. But progress comes with a cost and a price. And we can think that we're being progressive, but in actual fact, sometimes we're actually being the opposite of progressive and we're being repressive. So I, I want to present a couple of thoughts to you this morning, which is one of the reasons why I'm sitting down, because if I start going a little bit too hard, and I can already feel myself escalating, <laughs> this chair might break. But did you realise that most of what we see and believe today is actually the product of the last 100 to 150 years. It, it wasn't around before that. The way that we actually perceive things, the way that we actually do society, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we vote, the way that we don't vote, the way that we bank, um, the way that we actually save and, and keep money or digital money or Bitcoin or whatever it is, these are all products of thought that has come out of only the last 100 to 150 years. Now, you look at some of the political ideologies. Um, political ideologies now may may have roots back in like ancient Greek times, and I think it was back in the, in the 700s where there were certain elections and stuff starting to form. But the way that we actually do democracy nowadays is actually really only very recent. Some of the other um, schools of thought and modes of thought around different political systems are even more recent than that. What we have in front of us as our society and our culture is really only stuff that's come even in more prevalent even in the last 20 years. Now, you might see that, oh, hang on, but that's a little bit like what was happening back in the 1930s or 40s. Is some of the stuff that's starting to come to the fore again today, but it's different. 
It's got a different tinge about it. There's a lot of different thought about it. Okay, an example. And I don't know, this, I might even just ban the clock today. We might just go for it. Is that okay? Yeah. This, I think this is an important discussion. If you, if, you know, if you get to the point where you're going, you need to leave, you, you, you can, but I'll, I'm just going to, I want to get through this. Um, the theory of evolution was first sort of talked about through Charles Darwin. It came out a series of thoughts from before that in about 1850, uh, 1860. And then from there, it was sort of researched and researched and, and it became a little bit more prevalent. So I grew up in a society where we didn't teach the theory of evolution in schools. We taught creationism because I went to a Christian school and that I grew up until I was actually even out of school, I didn't even know much about the theory of evolution because of the way I was shaped and taught. But other schools and that, that system of the theory of evolution was then adopted and going, well, how do we actually bring about a societal change to actually believe a set of theories or scientific things is that we actually then need to take and then educate the people, so we're going to put it into school curriculum. And then after a generation of people actually walking through a school curriculum, having been taught and believe a set of facts, it's now accepted by society. I'm going to get back to that in a little bit longer. So a lot of what we've got today now is a product of even just the last generation. So think about social media. The social media, I'm going to call it the social media revolution. Let's, let's call it that, because it is a revolution. It allows for messages and communication to be a little bit more prevalent than it was before. So you no longer have to write your message on a little tiny thing and then tie it to a carrier pigeon who's going to fly to the next town to actually deliver your message. You can do that in real time. You can do that on the phone. You can do that in FaceTime. You can do it in a live Instagram feed, and people are getting your thoughts as you speak, not just in the next room, but in the next country or around the globe. People can receive thought and process thought and thoughts can evolve, for want of a better word, from being somebody's idea about thinking and can explode into a movement faster than you can blink. So someone can have a really good idea or a really bad idea and it can become the adopted thought of a generation of people overnight. This is the wrong way to think about that. This is the right way to think about that. And as soon as it gets out there, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. I never thought about that before. Someone else is doing my thinking for me. So I there, we're just going to actually accept it because it's on social media. And if everything on social media, I've got to believe. Sorry, am I making a point? Yes, I'm trying to. So bear that all in mind when we, we think about this for a moment. Everything that we consume shapes us in one way or another. All right? Everything that we consume shapes us in one way or another. Everything that is put in front of us is designed in one way or another to sensitize or to desensitize our sensibilities. I'll read that one again. Everything that is put in front of us is designed in one way to sensitize or to desensitize our sensibilities. We have a worldview. We have a worldview. But everything is crying out for our attention to change our worldview. We are being molded. Advertising. 
I'll go back to this one because it's one of my favourites, and some of you may remember because you're older than me, but there was a series of ads back when I was growing up by a company called MLC. And it had an egg on there, and a little nest, and there was an egg, and it was about growing your nest egg, and it had MLC on there, and it said, for the most important person in the world, you. For the most important person in the world, you. See, I never thought I was the most important person in the world. I actually didn't believe that I was. But so many people buy into this advertising that is actually an, a, an ideology that's being presented to us to actually change the way we think about the world. Instead of thinking about others, oh, I've got to think about myself. Instead of actually reaching out, oh, I've got to, I've got to reach in. Do you see how that's... I mean, it's just, a, it's just an advertising campaign. There's so much. I mean, if you ever, like, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff in it that I, I don't always agree with, but the show The Gruen Transfer, if you've ever watched that show The Gruen Transfer, it's a very clever show about advertising and how it actually makes people think and act. So if you are watching TV and you see a whole bunch of ads for Dirty Bird, KFC, and you see, oh, gee, that... Zinger Tower Burger looks really good. Um, and you see that, and, and you go, oh, it's a popcorn chicken, and, and it's like, you know, oh, it's finger licking good. And you, can anyone smell it right now? You can smell KFC. Xander, can you smell it? Yeah, you got it. And now the thing is, is that I've put KFC in your mind, right? But if you've been watching adverts, and even if I, had the, if I had the logo up on the screen here during church instead of this, right, I can guarantee you that if I had, like, the chicken and it looked delicious and it was up on the screen and there was the logo or there was a bucket there, on the way home, the amount of people from church who would stop at KFC would go through the roof, right? Advertising is designed to sensitize or desensitize our sensibilities, it's designed to attract us. It's trying to shape us. It's trying to mould us. It's trying to actually make us feel one way or the other. So you, uh, I'm taking a little bit extra time because I haven't even got to my message yet. We, I haven't even read a scripture actually in my message. I'm getting there. So you think about, um, you think about advertising by groups um, that want you to sponsor children, right? So you've got like places like World Vision and you've got things. They will actually try to point out the problem and some companies will do this in different ways. Some will show the positive side of things, like Compassion shows the positive side of what they're doing in the community. Some other organisations will show you the devastation side. They're both designed to actually call a response. They want you to actually give money so that kids can be taken out of poverty, which is a good thing, right? But the way they do that is to... One's trying to make you actually feel like, oh, I'm actually doing something good. The other one's making you feel like, if I don't do this, this kid's going to die. Can you see there's, there's two different things they're trying to make you... And they shape the way that we think. They actually are attracting to the positive and to the negative sides of the spectrum. So the media. Let's look at the media for a second. The media is designed to desensitise our, uh, our sensibilities in certain ways. They will promote certain schools of thought or different pictures of the world right now and they will promote the articles that suit a particular agenda. And you will have different types of media for different types of um, uh, news stations. So you might find on Sky News, you'll find one particular swing and they'll promote certain types of stories or with a certain event. And on Fox News, there'll be a different side because each of them are trying to attract 
a particular type of audience or trying to shape a particular type of thought. How about entertainment? Let's talk about this one. I love Netflix. We, we, we watch, I don't really watch TV, we watch shows on Netflix. Um, but you think about TV shows and movies and things over time have actually shaped our culture more than pretty much anything else. They have. So things, that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go there this morning and, and get cancelled, but that's okay because I'm, I'm, I'm all right, I'll, I'll just create an account on Parler if I want to continue my social media, it's fine. I'm joking, I'm joking about that. I don't want any more social medias. But you think about the things that we, th as a society, were unacceptable to be on TV, unacceptable to be in the movies, unacceptable to be put in front of our eyes, right? Even 20, 30 years ago, you just wouldn't see it, wasn't there. And then gradually, here's, oh, here's a little bit of this. And I'm getting ahead of myself in my message. I'm going to come back to it a little bit. And gradually by gradually, we are drip-fed these particular types of ideologies and ways of thinking that actually have shaped us into thinking that now what was once unacceptable is now actually unacceptable to think that it's not acceptable. And that's not even worth laughing about. So what was once considered by society unacceptable behaviour, you're now not allowed to call that behaviour unacceptable. Even the thought of it is unacceptable. So just think about that. We, we are being programmed. Everything in, design, in, in, in front of us is designed to impact our worldview in some way. You know, we, we need to actually flip a switch on some things. We are programmed by what we consume. I think that's the first point there. Bang. There we go. We are programmed by what we consume. You have you heard the statement, you are what you eat? Yeah. You know, we are programmed by what we consume. Our mouth is for eating, right? We program our body by what we take into it, which over the last few days I've been having a few too many sweets. And particularly yesterday at an engagement party I had a few too many sweets. My body is programmed by, by what I eat. My eyes are programmed by what I read and what I watch, and my ears are programmed by what I listen to. And all of these things affect the mind, right? Watching something, here's the double whammy, watching involves seeing and listening. You're twice as susceptible to actually produce a train of thought based on what you watch and listen to at the same time. You've probably heard the... Um, the terminology in computer language over time, garbage in, garbage out. You're gonna, what you feed yourself, you're actually gonna become. You are what you eat. But everything is designed in, in a way to program us towards a certain way of thinking. Society change does not happen through social action and political decision making alone. It happens through our screens. It happens through what we see. It happens through comedy. It happens through our, our societal positions change based on the characters and their flaws that we come to love. So have you noticed, and I want people to be really aware, that generally the person way back here where we thought was unacceptable, and now some of our favourite characters in our TV shows that we watch, 
They're the ones that we actually have an affinity towards. They're the ones that we hope win in the end. They're the ones that we... Oh, because the way that these shows are produced is to actually make the person that they want to make a societal change about that type of person, whether it's gender, whether it's um, sexuality, whether it's a decision-making or it's a, a point of view, they want to make that person the hero. Therefore, we follow along blindly sometimes like sheep and we watch these shows and we go, that's my favourite character. I love that person. They're awesome. And we can't explain why. And our society has shifted and our brain has shifted. Am I... Some of these things starting to drop a little bit this morning. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture, and I know I'm out on a bit of a limb with all of this. But we find ourselves, we start to cheer for people, characters, and situations that we always grew up knowing we were wrong, right? Taking case of point, all right, and this is not to pick on anyone particular, but we've started watching this show called Superstore on Netflix, and it's funny. It's a comedy, but I'm very aware that there are certain elements within that show that is trying to change a train of thought. Now, there's two characters within the show. One is actually very sort of, you know, progressive, and one's very the Christian guy, and he's a bit of a, a, a nutcase, and he's painted as a picture of being a little bit older. So the progressive guy is always trying to teach the other guy that, no, you can't say that anymore. No, you can't say that anymore. To the point where you can't thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't say that anymore. And this is just a little taste. But you think about it, if you're watching the same kind of stuff over time, over time, just got to remember, you're being programmed. You're being programmed towards a certain type of thinking. I've got to get to the point of this message because I've only got nine minutes left. All right, where are we? Okay, we're programmed for change. What we consume impacts us and affects us and changes our mindsets and thinking. Think about the social media algorithms for a second. If you are looking at a particular type of content on social media, guess what you're going to see in your feed? More of the same kind of content. So whether that's um, you know, negative kind of stuff or stuff that's going to actually tear you down or tearing other people down, you're going to see more of that. Whether it's stuff that's filled with hate, you're going to see more of that. That's how the algorithm works because it tries to find out what you like or what you see or what you look at and go, I'm going to give that person more of what that is. And they also make decisions about what they think you should see. So please be aware when you're actually looking at social media, you're being programmed. And I'm using this terminology because I want you to understand something. It should come as no surprise that if you want something to be normally accepted in society that you add it into the school curriculum, right? And it should, in the school teachers who are here, that that's how we change society. And it also comes as no surprise that if you want to remove something from society, what do you do? You take it out of the school curriculum. Or you actually make it really, really difficult for SRE to actually be in schools and things like that. Do you understand where this is all going? What are we teaching our children and their children? I want to talk to parents really for a second and we'll get to some scripture. Parents often come to pastors and they say, can you really, can you help? And they often go to youth pastors. So Greg will get this question. Can you help? My kid's gone off the rails. My, um, so what have you been doing for the last five years? Have you been bringing them to church? Have you been bringing them into the house of God? Have you been training them up in the way that they go? Parents, sometimes, and this is not a slander on, a slam on any parents, parents, it is important, it is vital. Your kids are actually being programmed by society instead of the Word of God. 
So if you are going, well, it's not really that important that I bring my kids to church, you know, I'll let them choose or I'll let them, you know, they can make up their own mind. Or, you know, does it matter if they sleep in? Yeah, it does. It actually does. Because this is the place where they will get taught the Word of God, they will get programmed in the right way according to His purposes. Amen? Okay. Um, Rachel told me this funny story that she remembers back when the kids were little and growing up. So I can't remember which, whether it was Chloe or Phoebe. Uh, it was Phoebe. And um, Phoebe leans over to Rachel during a church service and says, can, can I have some money for the offering? And Rachel looks in her purse and says, I don't have any money. I don't have any coins. I don't have any, any cash. And she says, that's okay. You can give me your credit card. <laughs> and, and if you know Phoebe, that's exactly her. Um, but... The, th the point is, is that our kids are already conditioned to know, well, if there's no cash around, I'll just use my card uh, or I'll use a card. I can, I can do that. That's, that's the way. So we've actually been taught that that's how society has changed. Um, I want to show you a really quick video. We, we're going over time this morning and I really hope you can stay with us. And up at Neil, stay with us. Online, stay with us. We're going, we're going there. I haven't even, I've only had one point of an eight-point message. It's fine. <laughs> Have a quick look at this video. Um, this is, shows you how and how simply it is to program someone. file. I have to reboot again. Hey, Dwight, do you want an Altoid? What do you think? In school, we learned about this scientist who trained dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell by feeding them whenever a bell rang. So for the past couple weeks, I've been conducting a similar experiment. What? One Altoid? Okay. Altoid? Sure. Intoid? Intoid? Yes. <sighs> what are you doing? Brilliant. Brilliant. But it's so easy for us to actually miss this. We just go through life at the sound of a bell and we just put our hand out and say, feed me more. We've got to be aware. We've got to be awake. I said to Greg this morning, I said, I probably won't say this, but we've got to be awake, not woke. All right? We've got to be paying attention to what's going on. We've got to have our eyes wide open to what's actually happening. I want to read this scripture to you, finally. Ephesians 1.23, it says, The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, in which he fills everything with his presence. We are programmed by what we consume. And if we consume by what's in central, what's, what's right in the middle, we're going to produce something great. All right, I'm going to move on. We are also programmed by hate. All right? Now, hate and consume, if you can see today, there is so much more hate around than I think any time in history. It's left versus right. It's Democrats versus Republicans. It's, it's this kind of theory versus that kind of theory. And if I disagree with you, that's it. You are cancelled. And I am going to hate you. 
And that is the biggest lie that this generation in our society has been sold, is that if you disagree with someone, you automatically have to hate them. And that is wrong. We are never going to agree on everything. I mean, there's some people in this room who still cheer for the bombers. I'm serious. I'm like, we're not going to agree on that. But the thing is this, is that I don't have to hate you. I don't. We can get along. We just go for different teams on some things. Like, we don't have to hate each other. And that's the lie that the, this, the world has been sold. And it's, it's produced what's called cancel culture. Whereas that if you say the wrong thing on Twitter, if you post something that somebody else gets offended by or disagreed with, you will lose your job. And that we've seen that happen over and over and over again. Um, I, I like to call it an intolerant tolerance or the tolerance of intolerance. We've got taught over the last little while to be tolerant of different things, to be tolerant. You've got to be tolerant. But now we're finding that the tolerance is producing an intolerance to anyone who's not necessarily vocal about being supportive of that tolerance. One thing I've got to, I've got to really, you know what, blow it. We're going all out. I understand that if we get to the point where you guys really need to go, you can go, but I'm going to keep preaching. One thing I can't stand and I won't stand for is Christians hating on other Christians. Stop it. Seriously, if you're watching on the internet and all you're feeding yourself is, is negativity about this pastor that's preaching against this pastor or this type of church is hating this type of church, we're the body of Christ for crying out loud. And it's exactly what the enemy wants, is he wants the church fighting against each other because if we're fighting against each other, then we're not going to be fighting against him. And if all the social media and all the YouTube videos that you're watching are all about tearing down somebody else who's actually trying to promote Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they might not be doing it in the same way in which is approved by what your train of thinking is, then maybe change your feed. Sorry, I'm getting a bit there. Critical people will attract more critical people. And this church is known for being what? Four people. I did, I, that was good, Ruth. Right on it, and Rachel. Right. This church is known for being four. 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 But there's a generation that's been taught that they have to be against something. And that's what all of this culture is at the moment, is that you're kind of programmed and trained that you've got to be more vocal about what you're against rather than what you're for. I want to be known for what I'm for. Sorry. I just told you everything about something that I'm against. Whoops. Okay, if you keep feeding yourself, and maybe you're just joking on, on YouTube and social media and, and, and you're not really vocal about, or you don't really have an opinion about other churches and you know, um, different, different, different denominations and different ways of doing things. And if you're feeding yourself that stuff, you know what? You will become what you eat. You'll become what you, can, you consume. You know, I grew up in, I um, didn't grow up. I spent the last 15 years before this in Hillsong Church. Hillsong Church is probably one of the most criticised churches in Australia, and probably on the planet. But you know what? People who criticise actually don't know. They're not there. They don't see the. They don't even bother to read the AGM to see all of the actual um, outworking of the the budget. They just go, "Oh, look at the total budget for that. That's a. They're just a mega church with mega dollars, and they're all about money." And I'm going, "Hang on. Have you actually looked at what they do with that? Because it's it's all in the AGM, and you can actually go online and read it." 
But I, I wouldn't want to be a Christian who's just known or for throwing stones at other churches. I mean, there's, there's probably some other places that I don't agree with the way that they do things. I don't agree with how they do But the thing is, for me, I, I don't want to be known as a guy who's standing throwing rocks at, at a, a pastor or a man of God or, or someone who's actually trying to promote Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. That's... Anyway, all the point of all of this is that if you listen to hate, all you listen to is hate, you're going to end up hating. Um, Matthew 5, 43. More scriptures. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, we are programmed by fear as well. The media, the government, the virus, the masks, it's all there to program us towards being afraid. Right now, people are afraid of the virus. They're afraid of, if I go outside, if I go to a shop and I don't have my mask on, I'm going to catch something. Or if I go out and I don't have this, I'm going to get a fine or I'm afraid of getting in trouble. There is different types of fear. You know, fear is, fear is actually an outcome of sin. Genesis 3.10, and this is Adam after he'd sinned, answered God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Fear causes us to go into hiding. And that's what the devil wants right now. He wants the church to be afraid. And I'm not saying that, oh, yeah, okay, there's a pandemic and, and there's a direct attack on the church. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that we just can't afford to be afraid people. We need to, be, we need to rise up and we need to actually... Anyway, um, I'm skipping a couple of scriptures here. Tate, you, you'll be able to follow along. All right. We're programmed to do things or not do things based on fear. Here's another... Here's a, did I skip a whole thing? No, that's good. Here's a bonus one. We're sometimes programmed by apathy, right? Lockdown got people comfortable in their pajamas and they haven't actually made it back into the house. We need to actually snap out of something and flip some switches on that. We need to wake yourself up and get to church. We need to start singing that song. You know, effectively what I've been talking about, we've been programmed by what we consume, we've been programmed by hate, we've been programmed by fear. Effectively, we are being brainwashed by society and culture that we're a part of. Everything is geared towards changing our mind and the collective mind towards a certain direction. Everything that we watch, everything is a part of actually pushing us in a certain direction, one way or another. We are being brainwashed. So if we've been brainwashed, it's very important that... Now we're actually getting to my message. That was just the intro. If we have been brainwashed, we need to learn how to wash our brain, all right? It's time for us to flip the switch. Oops. There we go. I'll just turn it back on. There we go. It's time to flip the switch. And you know what? And this is something that I can't do for you. It won't just happen by coming to a church service or listening online. We need to be actively washing ourselves in the Word. The Word is, like Rachel said before, the living, breathing Word of God. We've got to actually take it. <laughs> Romans 12, 2, like I read before, says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I want to look at a couple of words in here. This is going to be the longest sermon I've ever preached. Conform. 
The word conform is sischematizo. Sischematizo. You've got to say it like an Italian, not a Greek, okay? It's a Greek word, but I can't say it like a Greek. So everyone say, sischematizo. Okay, good, because that's the best accent that I can make it come out as. And it means to assimilate or to be conformed, and it literally means this, to be or become behaviorally or socially similar to, conceived of as being, becoming shaped or molded to a certain pattern. There's a pattern of this world that's trying to actually shape us, mold us. The word transform, on the the flip side, is the word metamorpho, and it means to be or become changed in an outward appearance or expression as manifesting a change in nature or essence. We are being changed. So the Bible teaches us don't conform. Don't be like those. Don't be like the world. But instead of being like the world, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. And how do we get transformed? We get transformed by the renewal of our mind. And how's this? The word renewal is anachronosis, and it literally means the act of re-establishing something in a like, new, and often improved manner. We weren't meant to be like that. We were meant to be better. I hear hearing this hashtag a lot, and I know it means certain things, but it says do better, hashtag do better. We were meant to be better because we were meant to not just conform and go along with everything that society's saying and everything society's pushing and be just the same like-minded and be blind sheep about what we're doing. We were meant to be better. We were meant to be transformed. We were meant to be renewed. Our mind was meant to be changed by the washing of the word. I've got this circuit breaker left over from a job that Terry Williams did at my house helping me out. It's awesome. Now, a circuit breaker is designed in such a way that we... I should have preached this as a five-week series. Sorry, guys. You'll be here till Tuesday. (laughs) A circuit breaker is designed to take a certain amount of current, and if it gets to a point where it is overloaded, it will actually flip the switch. It It will change out, right? It will go, hang on, I'm cutting out all of the power to that particular thing. So every time that we get overloaded with the world... And every time that we get overloaded with um, society and all of the stuff that's coming at us and changing us and trying to, to change our way of thinking, we sometimes get overloaded and our, our, our spiritual circuit breaker needs to flip and go, hang on, enough. And we need to come back in and reset everything, which actually then replenishes all of the charge that we did have. We need to flip the switch on some things. John 15, 19. It says, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, which is why the world hates you. Does this sound true to anybody? The world hates the church because it's been called out of the world and the world doesn't understand us. And therefore, we're the subject of hate. And which is why the world is constantly trying to change what the church can do and teach. We need to be aware. We need to be awake. We need to have eyes open. All right. I've got just a couple of really quick things on how to flip the switch. This is, I'm already way over time. 
First things that we need to do is we need to feed right. If we're going to flip the switch in our life, we've got to feed right. Don't just eat donuts. You've got, to eat the, you've got to eat the word daily. You've got to be in prayer daily. You've got to watch what you consume every day. You've got to be aware that when you're watching something that somebody else has produced for you, it is designed to change you. All right? There is no such thing as just pure entertainment. All right? Except for maybe like listening to Zach Williams um, playing guitar. That's pure entertainment, isn't it, Steve Kenny? That's gold. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you might be watching something and you might go, hang on, I can see what's going on here. And then it's time for you to go flip the switch. Have you ever walked out of a movie because you've been watching it and going, oh, I don't feel good about this? Maybe we need to walk out for more movies. Maybe we need to watch what we consume. All right? Maybe turn it off. The Bible says in Matthew 4, it says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If I don't eat right, I won't be healthy. If I don't consume right, my mind won't be healthy. We need to find love. It's my second way of of flipping the switch. We need to find love. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know the perfect antidote to hate is love. That's why the Bible says to love those who persecute, bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. We've got to be countercultural in this cultural setting. We've got to actually live the way the Bible teaches us. Our world and our worldview says to fight with those who disagree with them or cancel them. But we are called to pray for those who oppose us and oppress us and to try and suppress us. And we are called to pray not against them, to pray for them. I know there's a lot of people who would have trouble praying for certain members of parliament. I'm being honest. But when was the last time you prayed for the Premier? For the Premier? When was the... I, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of people going, with, oh, hang on, that's, there's a, there's a, that's a long time. And for me as well, I struggle too. Because I don't agree. And it's my natural instinct to not want to bless those who persecute. Anyway, let's move on. The third thing here is that we need to fear not. Did you know there's over 365 encouragements in Scripture that are, are based around fearing not or do not be afraid? The Bible says in, um, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, of love and a sound mind. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. So we feed right, we find love, which the love of God in our hearts, and then we need to fear not. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out or drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one, listen to this, to everybody who's being afraid right now, you need to accept God's love in your heart again and again. And again, and again, because it says the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We don't need to be afraid. We know at the end of the book, and I, I think Ruth was up here last Sunday, because I, I watched a little bit, was it you? No, the week before, one of these weeks, emceeing, and I think you said, you were saying, um, we've read the end of the book, we know who wins, Jesus wins. So why are we afraid? What are we afraid of? 
We need to learn to think, understand what's going on us and guard our heart and our mind. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, and I shared this with our staff um, recently. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? Evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. We've got to have our eyes open, people. Be awake. Don't be conformed. Don't be the same as the world. Because if we're just the same as the world, how's the world going to recognize us for being like Jesus? But we are also, and I'm going to get the band to come, if they wouldn't mind. We're going to finish. No, actually, you know what, band, you can stay where you're seated. We've gone way over time. Ain't ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) But we are programmed to sin. Did you know that? We are programmed to sin ever since. Right in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and Eve who, create, who, who did the first sin against God. And from that moment, we have been programmed to sin. We've all sinned. It's part of our human nature. Just ask any mum about the first time their child says no. That's a sin right there. They're like, oh my gosh, my child is evil. Come out. You dare but you're all a bit shocked. Like, okay, any mums in the room who weren't shocked when their, when their first child told them no? You're like, oh, how dare you? I birthed you. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because... All have sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, and we are programmed to sin. It's part of our human nature. But the antidote for being programmed to sin is to find forgiveness. We can find forgiveness in Jesus. I wonder if Larissa is around and she can just come and play keys. That's probably what I should have just called for. We can find forgiveness in Jesus. You know, He came. The complete sacrifice for our sins. He died on the cross, freeing us from our sinful state, and he rose again in victory over death and the grave. We're programmed by what we consume. We're programmed by fear. We're programmed by hate. We're programmed to sin. But there is an answer to all of that, and his name is Jesus Christ, not just Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and He came from heaven to earth to be the sacrifice that paid the penalty for our sin, for our humanity, for our society, for our culture that has rejected and still rejects Him. He willingly went for the cross for those who hated Him. It was cancel culture. Even his own people, the Jews, rejected him and said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. We don't want this Jesus. He doesn't speak the way that we want him to. He doesn't teach the way that we want. We do not recognize him as the son of God. We 
are anti-Jesus, give us Barabbas. And Jesus willingly knew what he came to do. And he stretched his arms wide on that cross for every single person so that they can have an eternity with Jesus together in God in heaven. And I just want to take a moment right now just to give an appeal to anybody who is listening online, if you're at nil, if you're here in this room. I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. And it might mean you're listening to me and going, Andrew, you've preached a very political sermon this morning. I think I'm just trying to highlight to people what I see going on in culture. And what I see going on in culture is this. Jesus came willingly to die for people and it's up to us to accept him. That's the cultural thing right there. And that's the thing that's actually going to save our culture. So I want to make an appeal to anybody who in the sound of my voice is going to be able to listen to me and go, Pastor Andrew, I want to today again accept Jesus into my heart. The other group of people I want to include in this prayer is Pastor Andrew, I'm afraid of what's going on right now. And I want to be made perfect I want in love and I don't want to fear anymore. So if you're in either of those two groups, basically what we're going to do is we're going to say the same prayer and it's for both of these conditions because you know what? Christians are afraid but there's no need to be afraid. So if that's you, every head is bowed, no one's looking around, the cameras aren't on you, they're on me. So if you want to accept Jesus again today to say either I want to accept Him in the first time in my heart or to say I am afraid of what's going on and I don't want to be afraid anymore, why don't you just slip up your hand in this room? Yeah, I see that one. That's great. That's awesome. Is there anybody else in this room here that wants to actually accept Jesus today again? I don't want to be afraid anymore. Up at Neil, doing the same thing online, if you listen to me. Let's pray this prayer together and you can accept this love, this perfect love that drives out all fear into your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And give me a brand new start. I believe that you are God and that you came to earth and that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose again on the third day in victory over sin and death. And now I don't need to be afraid. I'm going to fear not for the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give those people who are...